all around us, there are so many arguments that people commonly use that totally defeat themselves if we just keep our eyes open. Welcome back to Good Monsters. My name is Cody. In this episode, I am going to tell you what a self-defeating argument is, and I'm going to give you an example of 10 commonly used self-defeating arguments that I myself have heard just in the past month. And if you're aware of these arguments, then you will be able to defend against them, to see the logical incoherences in them, and one, avoid them yourself, but two, hopefully be able to help the people using these arguments be able to see the truth. So, like I said, I've been noticing a lot of these self-defeating arguments recently, and I don't know if there's just more of them or if I have just become a lot better at seeing them. Originally, I I think I started thinking about what a self-defeating argument was whenever I read the book Tactics by Greg Kokel, which I highly, highly recommend. I think that book should be required reading for Christians and really just anybody. It's a wonderful book. It tells you uh, how to think and how to uh, to formulate your thoughts and create arguments and think about things well. So in Tactics, there are two types of tactic, uh, way more than two, but two that I want to focus on. One is called the suicide tactic and two is called the taking the roof off tactic. And I think these are similar, they're related, but um, I'll briefly explain them and then you can read the book for more details on these. Uh, But it seems to me like these two, if you're aware of these, you can catch probably at least 50% of bad arguments that the media uses or that just the general bad guys in the world use or just people who are deceived or uh, misled or whatever. A lot of people believe these arguments that are completely self-defeating. So first I'll tell you what the suicide tactic is. The suicide tactic is used when an argument contradicts itself in its own argument. Uh, And then I'll explain to you, I'll give you some examples of those. Um, And then the taking the roof off argument is tactic is whenever there's not an implicit contradiction in the in the argument itself. But if you carry that argument to a conclusion, then it will lead to some kind of um, contradiction in some way or lead to some kind of conclusion that the person won't really like. So both have to do with some kind of contradiction with what the person actually believes or within the argument itself. And I think these are very important things to be aware of. Uh, Also notice when I give you these these 10 arguments and walk you through them and talk about why they don't make sense. I think in many cases, people might recognize the contradiction and they will just admit it. They'll say, yeah, that's how it is. And I think if you run into a situation where somebody just admits, yeah, there's a contradiction here, but that's how it is, you can't really talk to that person. It's hard at that point to continue having a conversation, and it probably won't be very fruitful. So just keep that in mind, that even even if there's a contradiction, um, and if the person you're speaking with actually sees it, they they might just bite the bullet and say, yeah, yep, 
it uh it might not make sense but that's what i believe my truth matters more than the truth so i here are the 10 arguments uh that i've literally heard these arguments probably all in the past month in various places either in person or on twitter or youtube or whatever uh so the first argument is this and and these will be uh across a spectrum of things it it will be political it will be religious it'll just be uh common logic but think about all these and i'll walk you through why they don't make sense but also feel free to pause the video after i give you each argument and think how does this contradict itself one does it contradict itself in the sentence itself? And if it doesn't, think about some possible contradictions that it could lead to if you apply this argument consistently across the board. So here they are. Number one, white people need to be accepting of other people regardless of their skin color. Now, some of these are going to be easier than others. And I think this is kind of a hard one because it sounds like a good thing. Like, well, yeah, well, of course. Everybody needs to be accepting of each other regardless of their skin color. But I think there, there are a couple of problems here. One, there's a contradiction. And the contradiction is this. To tell, to, to not accept what a white person is doing regarding their skin color is to defeat your own argument and say white people should accept other people regardless of their skin color, but I'm not going to accept white people if I think they're not accepting of other people regardless of their skin color. Do you see the contradiction? Now, the uh, the second issue with this, to carry this a little farther, is that I don't grant that it's good to accept everyone, depending on how you define accept, uh, regarding their skin color or not. It's okay to not accept certain people. If someone is doing something wrong, you do not accept that. If there is a person who is doing something evil or immoral, you do not accept that. And I think the definition of accept in our culture right now means to be okay with whatever they want to do. And that just does not fly in reality. But in our culture, we want to think, well, yeah, we should accept everybody regardless of our skin color. But we have to ask the question, accept what about them? What are we accepting exactly? Are we accepting their value as a human being? That's good. Everybody has the same value as a human being regardless of their skin color. But morally, there are certain things that we should accept and not accept um, regardless of their skin color. So that's argument one. Argument two, people shouldn't have the right to take away women's right to abortion. Do you see the contradiction there? The argument is that women have a right to abortion and that people should have no right to try to take away that right. So again, there's two problems with this, but but the inherent contradiction is that you're, the person arguing this is trying to take away a person's right to disagree. They're saying, 
people shouldn't have the right to take away women's right to abortion. But if someone has a right to disagree, and we all know that we do, to argue this is to want to actually take away another person's right. Now, again, like I said before, you can admit to the contradiction. And a lot of people who actually are going so far as to argue this will admit the contradiction. And they'll say something like, yeah, women's right to abortion is more important than your right to disagree. You don't actually have the right to free speech because I label that hate speech and I don't think you have a right to hate speech and uh, women's right to murder their baby is far more important than your right to free speech. But hopefully you see that this actually contradicts itself and it falls apart very quickly. But the second problem with this argument is that women don't actually have a right to abortion. So the person arguing this is actually trying to take away an actual right from a person, which is free speech, which is the right to disagree with something and the right to want to do something about it. Because the value that they have, the perceived right that they think women have to kill their babies if they want to, is more valuable than your right to free speech. And that's just not true. Argument three. To not allow abortion is to oppress women. To not allow abortion is to oppress women. So again, there's the problem in this that was with the previous argument, which was women don't actually have the right to abortion. So it's not really oppressing them at all. But let's just grant that premise. There's still a contradiction in this argument. It defeats itself. If, if somebody says any of these arguments, you automatically know it's not true. It doesn't make sense. You need to be talking about something else. The problem is this. When you say to not allow abortion is to oppress women, what if a woman wants to not allow abortion? Again, similarly to the previous argument, you're actually oppressing, in actuality, oppressing the right that a woman has to disagree in light of thinking that the value of a woman being able to kill her baby is more important. To not allow abortion is to oppress women. But actually, to say this is to oppress women. And it's to oppress other people who disagree with abortion. It is to actually oppress them. Here's another one. Here's a a less political one. But it's also very political. (laughs) You have no right to tell me what to do. You have no right to tell me what to do. Uh, This one is a super easy one. Hopefully you see this. And I hope walking you through these will help you uh, to be able to notice these outside of these arguments. Or if you see these arguments yourself to notice the contradictions in them the next time you hear them. But you have no right to tell me what to do. Well, the person saying that is telling you what to do. The person who says, you have no right to tell me what to do, believes that they have the right to tell you what to do. So to that, you can say, do you have the right to tell me what to do? And they would say, of course not. Nobody has the right to tell anybody what to do. And then you can say, well, why are you telling me what to do? Why are you telling me not to tell you what to do? It's self-defeating. That isn't to say that it's good or bad to tell someone what to do. Sometimes it's a good thing to tell someone what to do. Sometimes it's a bad thing. Regardless, 
the statement, you have no right to tell me what to do, absolutely defeats itself. And this is one of the mantras of our culture right now. You have no right to tell me what to do. Unless you're the government and then you have every right to tell us what to do. Weird. That also kind of defeats itself, doesn't it? Here's another one. Uh, Just heard this one yesterday, in fact. We can't understand what the Bible actually means. Self-defeating argument. We can't actually understand what the Bible means. So if somebody argues that we can't actually understand what the Bible means, they are claiming to know something about the Bible while saying that we can't know this about the Bible. They're claiming to know what the Bible means. Do you see that? They're saying, you can't know what the Bible means, but I can. And I know that you can't know what it means. (laughs) It's it's self-defeating. It doesn't make sense. So where the argument needs to go is, well, what does the Bible mean? Is this passage clear? Is this understandable or is it not? Can this be interpreted in multiple different ways reasonably? Or do I just not like what the Bible means and I'm inventing some kind of definition or disregarding it entirely, even though it has an obvious message? Number six. You're not being very winsome because I don't like your tone. Do you see the inherent contradiction there? To be winsome, to be attractive to somebody based on your tone is to this person a good thing. And yet, they are telling you that they don't like your tone Presumably in a way that's not very winsome or in a good tone to you. Because to tell somebody that you're doing something that they don't like uh, isn't very winsome, is it? Especially, and, and I've personally heard this, if I'm telling people what I think the right thing to do is, that absolutely does not appear winsome. To some people. So is winsomeness a good thing? Again, it depends on the situation. Winsomeness, just like acceptance, is not always a good thing. It, it depends on what you're trying to be winsome towards. And I think I'm going to have another podcast episode completely devoted to winsomeness, which is the blight of Christianity in our culture right now. But to, to, to be upset at someone for not being winsome, is in itself not winsome to that person. Now we can say, who do we need to be winsome to? And in what ways should we be winsome? And what does winsomeness actually look like? We can have that conversation, but you cannot say. It it instantly defeats itself to say, you're not being winsome. I don't like your tone. See? Number seven. You need, here's a Christian one. You need to be welcoming to everyone in this church. Well, that's not a very welcoming thing to say to me, is it? You don't welcome everyone in this church. You would not welcome someone who you think is not welcoming. And again, this is a matter of who do we welcome? 
Because welcoming, we think in our culture, we think this is, of course, always a good thing. It's good to welcome people. But it depends. Just like acceptance, just like being winsome and attractive, there is a time and a place and a right way and a wrong way to do it. And so to say that you need to be welcoming to everyone in this church not only defeats itself because you're not being very welcoming to the person that you're saying it to, but it defeats itself in reality because being welcoming isn't this objective value. There are people worth being welcoming to. There are people worth not being welcoming to. Number eight. You need to be tolerant of everyone, regardless of their sexual preferences. Again, hopefully you're seeing the pattern by now. You need to be tolerant of everyone is not a very tolerant thing to say. It doesn't matter what a person's sexual preference is or not. This person thinks tolerance is very important. And they're not being very tolerant. But again, tolerance is one of those values that is good in some ways and not good in some other ways. We need to be tolerant. We need to tolerate good. We need to, to tolerate just means to allow, to allow it to exist. We need to tolerate good things. But we should not allow the existence of certain kinds of evil which incidentally is what this person is doing to you because they think what you're doing is evil if they perceive you as not being tolerant to people based on their sexual preference. But in reality, they are also not being tolerant. And so the answer is, what's well, okay to not be tolerant. So let's now talk about, I mean, if you can have a conversation with a person like this, let's talk about what is tolerable. Let's talk about what is good and what is evil. Number nine. Here's a super easy one. You can't go around criticizing people. Well, you're criticizing me, right? You can't just go, oh, I should have said it. Here's a better one. Strike that, replace it with this. You can't go around judging people. That's a better one. You can't go around judging people. That's a judgment. That is you judging people. That's what Jesus would call a hypocrite. That's what common sense would call a hypocrite. To say you can't go around criticizing people. You can't go around judging people. That is both a criticism and a judgment. So not only is this person guilty of being wrong, but they're guilty of being a hypocrite. This completely self-defeats itself. If a person says, you can't criticize people, what they're saying is wrong. It's, it defeats itself. That statement cannot, under any circumstance, be true. To say, you cannot judge people, cannot, under any circumstance, be true, because that is a judgment on you saying that you're judging people. See? And number 10, much like all of the others, this is one I hear all the time. You can't offend people. Offending people is bad. I had a conversation with someone about this one time. 
And it was rather offensive, incidentally, that they would say that to me, right? You can't go around offending people. Offending people is bad. Well, one, uh, well, I mean, first, the self-contradiction is that that statement in itself is offensive to the person who you claim is offending someone. But again, there is a right way to offend people and there is a wrong way to offend people. So it's not that offending is wrong. It is that how you are offending and in what context and is it worth it? Because it is very worth it to offend people a lot. Uh, Hey, here's a bonus one. The answer to this is, well, Jesus offended people. How about this for a self-contradictory statement? Well, you're not Jesus. And neither are you to tell a person that they're not Jesus. What? That that defeats itself. Not only is it just biblically untrue, uh, because that implies, well, you shouldn't be imitating Jesus Christ. But another problem is with it that that person believes that they uh, have the right to pick and choose which parts of God you imitate and which parts you don't, which sort of in a way is to elevate themselves above God himself and his word, which says imitate Christ, right? That's a bonus one for you. So anyway, hopefully you see the the inherent self-contradictions in these arguments. Those were just 10. There are many more. There are many more on totally different subjects. There are self-defeating arguments regarding abortion, religion, gun control, uh, violence, values, sexuality, uh, sexual identity, all of it. They're everywhere. And if you start seeing some of these, I promise you, you will see more. And if you train yourself to see these self-defeating arguments and pick up tactics then it will make you a much better thinker.